What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Infinite Mind Podcast, episode 19. Sponsors of today's podcast are Clocks and Colors. Clocks and Colors is handcrafted men's jewelry. They have pendants, chains, rings, bracelets, and apparel. And you can check it out at www.clocksandcolors.com. Colors is spelled C-O-L-O-U-R-S. Uh, I'm actually wearing a bracelet today, so that's good. You can see that right here. <clears throat> they have another company called Etta Love. It's clocks and colors for women. They also have pendants, rings, bracelets, earrings. You can check them out at www.etahlove.com. The final sponsor of today's podcast is Manscape. Get yourself a precise trim. Proper manscaping requires precision-engineered tools. Not only does a man's sensitive areas require it, but both hygiene and ergonomics demand it. Out now is the Lawnmower 4.0. This is a top quality shaver. It features an LED spotlight with on-off switch so you can see and you're not going in blind down there. This thing is running at 7,000 RPMs. This thing is waterproof. This thing has a wireless charger and I want to help you guys out. Right now you can get 20% off and free shipping with the discount code OSIRIS20 at www.manscaped.com. And with that, let's get into it. Welcome back to the podcast. It's been a while. It's been a crazy year for me. I think some of you might have heard, so I'll get into that with all the medical stuff you might have heard about. Um, not all bad. Some 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 low times like the you know the health stuff. But I had some good tours with Born of Osiris, and um, you know the the new album was going really well until uh, you know we had to take a break from touring due to the to the hospital shit. So I think, uh, you know, I usually do questions on here, but like overwhelmingly all the questions were uh, just basically asking what happened. So I figure I'll start with that. Um, I think I should say over, off the top, like this whole process for me, um, I was heavily like medicated and sedated. And so everything that really happened, I've just been told like through, by my family, by my friends, loved ones, things like that. So I made kind of notes, to be honest. Um, even when I woke up from a coma, there was, I had a million questions. I had no clue what happened. And my family and the doctors answered all the questions for me. And I was still so heavily medicated that I still didn't remember a lot of that either. So that whole first week afterwards, I don't remember shit. But anyways, I've made some notes here. I'm going to look at that while I, while I kind of go over what happened. I think that'll just be easier for you guys to get a full story, a full picture. So let's get into that. But yeah. Um, basically I woke up at 4am on August 2nd and I remember thinking like, um, I knew I was dying legitimately. You know, I know when I had, I had extreme stomach abdomen pain, I couldn't even begin to describe. The only way I could describe it was that I knew I was dying. Like, I don't know if that's a thing where you just know, but the pain I felt, how extreme it was, uh, how overwhelming it was. Like there was just no doubt that this was really really bad and um so i uh was rushed to the hospital i arrived at baylor hospital in dallas 
they put me into a medically induced coma. So I don't even remember arriving at the hospital. Um, I think I blacked out of pain on the way or maybe passed out. Um, I remember getting to the hospital and there was, they needed to like test me. You know, you, you arrive to the emergency room and everyone's got their own emergency going on. So I kind of briefly remember like laying on the floor, just like kind of like yelling in pain. It was so bad. And then I don't remember getting into the back. I don't remember any of that. But um, anyways, there was an infection in my pancreas and it was spreading to all of the organs into my body, shutting them down and leading me into septic shock. So at that point, I spent three weeks in a coma. Uh, My family came up from Chicago to be next to me for whatever was going to come. They were told at times that things didn't look good. Afterwards, they told me it seemed like every time there was one step forward, it was followed by two steps back. Um, There was doctors staying after their shifts uh, because it was so severe and they they wanted to keep me alive. uh, And I I have to thank them endlessly for that. I uh, I was told there was one doctor that kept staying after his shift um, and that he was either a guitar player or a fan of music. And I still plan on going back and, uh, you know, thanking him and meeting him because he just knew this dude in a coma that, uh, you know, on the verge of death. <clears throat> Anyways, around the three-week mark, they needed to take the tube out of my throat. I think it was intubated or whatever you would call it to help me breathe. Um, at the three week mark, you're in danger of your vocal cords being permanently damaged to a point where you'll never speak again, even if you wake up. So at that point they switched to a tracheotomy, which is when they cut through the front of your throat through the trachea and they insert a tube so you can breathe without the use of your nose or your throat. Uh, I guess I'm wearing a turtleneck right now, but the doctor actually like shout out to him. He, he cut, um, like along a line of a tattoo on my throat. And so you really can't even see the scar, which is pretty impressive. I guess I'm able to laugh about that now. Um, however, you know, making that switch that deep into a coma is usually a really bad thing. And they were not, uh, holding back when they mentioned to my family that, you know, when people in a coma, sometimes they get switched to the trach through the front of the throat, and that's usually not a good sign. Uh, kind of a last-ditch effort towards the end. Um, but I guess a miracle happened within 48 hours. So they did the, the trach, and within 48 hours, I regained consciousness and um, came back. So the doctors told my parents that it would take me about a year to recover in the hospital, or up to a year. I think they said six months to a year. Um, but apparently I had other plans, you know. I, uh, I began to recover at a rate they also described as a miracle, and I was released from the hospital within two weeks to recover in my home in Dallas. At this point, the majority of my strength was gone and muscles had atrophied, so walking was a one to three step at a time thing. I'd be completely out of breath. My legs would give out after a few steps. It felt pretty helpless. But I was really sick of the hospital. So I was glad to be home still. There's something about being in a hospital for months where you don't sleep, really, no matter how exhausted you are. And I was having really crazy dreams, and I wasn't sleeping. Um, I felt like I was losing my mind. So when I got to come home, even though I was pretty helpless still, it was very refreshing. Um, 
So my mother, my brother, and my father took turns at my house with me, who were all from Chicago, uh, stayed with me to kind of just help me out around the house for a little bit. Uh, I'm thankful for that. Um, that was probably for two weeks after the hospital, I want to say. Um, but yeah, so fast forward a few months and I'm at a place where I feel good again. Um, I don't have the strength I had before, but I'm finally able to like go hiking on trails. Um, some weeks I've been up out four or five times a week. Um, not like up mountains or anything like that, but there's just like, you know, forest preserves or nature preserves in my area. So I've been doing that. I've been bike riding that brought a lot of the strength back to my legs. I remember when I was first walking again, getting the strength back, like standing straight with my legs was doable. Like full extension was doable, but it's almost like all the in-between of my legs, all the in-between movements, the halfway points, I didn't have the strength still. So the circular motion of the pedal and like the way that it works out um, all of your leg, I would say bike riding really, really helped me uh, quickly recover. My recovery of all this has been insane. Again, I was supposed to be in the hospital for up to a year um, physical therapy, all that stuff. But, um, within, you know, months I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Um, so I'm starting to feel normal again. I need to say that coming out of a coma, I was still heavily on meds. So again, this is all just like me, what my family's told me. So if I've messed anything up, you know, it is what it is, but you know, I get asked all the time what happened and I, and I wanted to give that to you. I'm missing a lot here, I'm sure, but I know this. Uh, I don't know why, but I, I truly feel like I didn't die in that hospital for a reason. Maybe everybody gets this way when they're going through something so serious, but like, and I don't even know what I believe in, but like there was just the way everything worked out with the way that my family was able to come from Chicago, get off work. And I swear when my mother had to leave, my father was able to be there like within the hour. So I was like never alone in the hospital. Um, it was just like everything kept just working out perfectly and having a doctor that was like, I'm a guitar player and I want, I just like this dude. I don't know him. His eyes are closed. He's in a coma, but something about him, I like just every little thing. Um, even to the point of how quickly I've been able to heal. Uh, it's just, it feels like something special and I'm really thankful. Um, but I, I just, I know there's a bunch of things I'm not going to be able to recall, but I know that it, it didn't happen for a reason. There's, there's, I'm telling you that without like my family, without the love that I was getting from fans, um, on social media, all that kind of stuff. Like, I feel like that shit's real. You know, I've never believed in much that I couldn't see or prove, but this, the energy that I was sent this whole time from, you know, you guys was really special. I, I've read like just about all the comments since. I've been recovering from the uh, since I exited the hospital. So if you if you sent me some love, you, even if I didn't respond, I, I probably saw it. So, you know, thank you guys. Um, thankful for my family, uh, everyone at Baylor Hospital. You know, without them, obviously wouldn't have made that out. Um, and uh, I definitely saw everything. I appreciate everything, and it just makes me so excited to get back on the road and and share contents with you guys again good energy, good vibes. Um, I think if there's one silver lining with all this, it's what I prioritize in my life now. Knowing how fragile life is, how in a moment your health can turn, how are the people out there don't get as lucky that I, you know, as lucky as I was, it's taught me a lot. Um, before 
the hospital. I was beating an addiction problem. I was going through separation with my wife. So to be honest, the year has been pretty fucked and um, kind of feel like it peaked in the hospital. And um, so just all that being said, you know, when, when you're beating an addiction, beginning a divorce, almost losing your life, like at this point, I just look at every day differently. I'm not saying I wanted to go through all that, but I'm able to look at every day now lucky and blessed instead of, you know, I wasn't like any kind of negative person, but I definitely took things for granted. I have like the coolest job in the world. I've got my dream Harley, my dream car, like beautiful dog sitting next to me every time I write a song or do a podcast, like amazing friends, incredible family, you know, but I, that was just normal life, you know what I mean? And so it's just crazy to see how quickly all can it can be taken away from you. And now that I see all that shit, it's just like every day is beautiful to me, even if it's just a walk in good weather, you know, on a trail. I used to like care about like what people were commenting or like my clothes or what I said or did. I used to care about material items and keeping up appearances. I used to care about a bunch of shit. At the end of the day, it meant nothing. And, uh, now with this second chance, like I talk to my family every day, which is something I never did since probably I started touring. Uh, there was no issues with me and my family. It was just like I was busy touring the road, trying to like push hard for this dream that, you know, I was chasing. Um, I value my friendships more now than ever. I value the fans I'm fortunate to have, you know, after seeing how much they all cared and how much love they were sending and possibly someone watching this was sending. I value the chance to keep making the music that I make. And, you know, I mentioned I believe there's a reason that I didn't die in that hospital. And, um, you know, maybe it's some of the message that I received since the hospital and before the hospital of like, you know, I was at the roughest point of my life. And then I heard this song or I've received many messages that said, like, I was about to kill myself. And then I heard this album you made and things like that. And so I don't think that I'm even still here for me. Maybe it's just for us as a team. Maybe it's for just all those reasons or maybe the reason I get a second chance because not everybody does. And I'm really fucking lucky to do so. Um as of this time, also I mentioned addiction earlier. I uh I'm 93 days sober. No alcohol for me anymore, no drugs. Um as far as the separation goes with uh my ex, I wish her well. You know, I think there was pain delivered from both parties. Um and uh at the end of the day, I just hope that that can just be a nice peaceful process and I wish her the best. Hope we're friends forever um i uh i'm just lucky in life right now and i'm not going to forget that um and i also listen sorry if this was really deep but it's been a deep time in my life and it's the number one question i've been getting so it is what it is if you have any more questions you can ask me specifically but this is kind of just a few notes that i jotted down um, i'll answer them you can ask me questions on social media and i usually answer them here on the podcast as I'm doing now. So let's move on. All right. Born of Osiris. So unfortunately we had to cancel a Born of Osiris in flames tour due to me needing to recover. 
the positive to that is we just continued writing our album throughout, you know, the last couple months, which is the follow-up to Angel or Alien. What's unique about this record we're working on now is the process that we're going through. Um, I think that previously we would have maybe eight to 14 songs. I think that's about what we put out on records previously, but that was like all the songs we had we put on the record. Um, this time, you know, we have like 22, 23 songs maybe. Um, and we're still writing, you know, I, it's like we have two, two and a half records right now instrumentally. So for the first time, we're going to be taking the best songs, maybe eight to 12 songs, whatever we may choose from that large group and just giving you the best of the best material. And so that's really exciting. I think it's going to make for the best, um, you know, product that we've ever put out. There's an aspect of it that is a little sad. Like, I feel like each song is, you know, it's like your baby. And so it's sad to let them go. But I think at the end of the day, it'll be best for the record. And um, we've also talked about doing like a B-side kind of thing. So that would be really fun. Um, I don't know if it's System of a Down. When I was younger, did a B-side. I loved it. Um, it, it's an obvious, this is our B sides, but like sometimes that doesn't mean they're bad. Sometimes it just means like, Hey, this song's eight minutes and it's a little hectic or it's a little experimental for Born of Osiris is all this clean guitar and acoustic guitar, some shit like that, that like you might not want to shell shock your fan base with originally, but, um, you still think it's true art and you want them to hear it. So, you know, we might do something like that. Definitely no plans to do that. First and foremost is, uh, prioritizing the new record. I believe it'll be our best six string, seven string, eight string. It's all there. Um, maybe a little more eight string. So that'll be fun. I'm actually been working on a guitar solo this past week for an eight string song. So it's going well and I'm really excited. Um, I'm about to take a trip. I'm literally filming this podcast and then leaving to Chicago. Um, we're going to be doing some vocal stuff. So, uh, usually I feel like we take the songs once we have the full album of instrumental and then the guys start doing vocals a little close to studio time. And then the, a lot of it's in studio. Um, but this time again, with the, the amount of, uh, time we have on our hands, we're just as a band, I'm going to Chicago. We're going to work on a few songs on vocals. So if I have input, I'll give it. If I don't, I won't, but either way, just to be there to, you know, work on patterns, maybe help with some lyrics, just see the songs come together earlier than I ever have before vocally, which is really exciting. Uh, I'm going to see my family, which is nice on this little road trip. Um, driving down, which I'm super excited about. I'm going to drive by all the nostalgic places that I grew up in Chicago, like as a kid, um, see cool memories been bring a guitar i might film a playthrough stop at cool places throughout my life because uh i haven't been to chicago outside of performing for a while so i'm thinking about that's another reason i'm driving um just to like really go see all the places from when i was a kid and maybe have a guitar on me see what happens film some footage i want to do a playthrough for my uh second solo record because i had done like two or three videos for in the light of knowledge and then the whole touring hospital thing happened. So I feel like I owe you guys some content as far as uh, my second solo record. So it'll be a fun trip, mainly for Born of Osiris and seeing family, but we'll get that in there as well. Um, we'll keep you posted. Um, 
I'll come back to another podcast and uh, yeah, keep, let you know how things went. Uh, speaking of my solo music, um, alongside the new Born of Osiris record, I've been working on my third solo record. It's actually at a place where I could potentially be done with the tracking. I don't need to do any more solos, any more playing as far as the guitar is concerned. Um, I finished the bass last. I liked to uh, finish the bass last on this one because previously I would have kind of the progressions or kind of match the drums um, on bass and then solo over it. But this one, I'm like, why don't I just record bass last? Because the way I write solos is somewhat improvised. You know, I just run it in my studio over and over again and just keep jamming and take the parts that I like. They become the solo. And then now doing bass last, um, now I'm matching lines on uh, for my solos on the guitar, on the bass, which has been really fun. So I just finished that. So at the moment, I, ha I need like two spots done on saxophone and the record could be done. However, what I would like to do is get that done and then maybe t uh, take a trip to Ireland or Japan with the record and do like a, with a little small recording setup, maybe laptop, interface, guitar, mini, MIDI keyboard, and do like a once over on all the songs. So that would be maybe changing the keyboard tones or maybe adding more layers on guitar, maybe tweaking a solo, maybe... Um, you know, if a chorus happens two or three times, maybe I don't want it to be this, the same thing on repeat. So maybe I'll change it up for the last one or add more layers, you know, anything. But I want to do it in a cool setting, an inspiring setting. I, I love my studio. There's nothing wrong with it. I do everything in my studio. But there's just something attractive to me about Ireland and Japan and um, wrapping up a record there. I wanted to do, like, a lot of record there, but life has been hitting, so... Uh, I'll see how, how I can maybe finish it up there and maybe just do the next one there or something. But that's kind of where I'm at. Alrighty, let's get into some of your questions, shall we? Again, the majority of them were about my health um, stuff, but I think I went over that plenty. All right. Question number one is from Noah Palm Death. Can you talk about fitness and healthy living? Yeah, so that's all changed for me from pre-hospital, post-hospital. Before the hospital, I was doing heavy lifting, trying to build as much muscle as I could. Um, I was lifting five days a week, um, sometimes six, and then you'd have your four day a week, but good amount, you know what I mean? Um, so I was lifting very heavy. I was doing a carnivore diet at the time. Man, I was having a steak like every night, uh, a ribeye or a filet. Um, eggs in the morning. So overall, you know, not a ton of bullshit. I think I was drinking too much. Um, so that would, any of the bad calories and carbs and shit I was taking was probably from drinking. But as far as the health aspect of it, I was eating clean, just like meat, eggs. Um, wasn't drinking any soda like that. It was a lot of water. Like I drink a lot of water. Um, that's what healthy was to me before was, uh, a low carb diet. Um, except for, you know, my cheat days, I would go nuts on macaroni, but and pasta, but yeah, meat, water, protein, it's basically it for that. And then, um, yeah, in the gym five, six days a week. Now, since the hospital, I've had to change my diet due to the pancreas issue. So cut a fucking 
95% of the red meat out. Uh, I think I just had red meat for the first time the other day. Um, in months, you know. So now it's lean meat. It's chicken and chicken and chicken. Um, Greek yogurt. Um, a lot of water. A little less. I don't know if it's because I'm not lifting as much or whatever. Just crave less water. Or before I, I just chugged water all day. Um, so yeah, lean meat. Um, no dairy. Greek yogurt. Fruit for sugar. I love um, grapes and apples and uh, bananas and watermelon. So that would be, I think that's about rounded out the diet. No sweets. I would say my cheat stuff now is just like a diet Coke. And even, even then it's diet, even though I'm not saying diet shit is healthy for you. I mean, it's still soda at the end of the day, even if it says sugar free, but that's kind of what I enjoy. Um, and again, I'm no expert, but you're asking me. And so this is what I did before and what I do now. Next question. That's more health stuff. I thought I cut some of that out. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Next question is from Music Man Magic. Has Mick Mars been an influence on you on behalf of him retiring due to his condition? Yeah, I think he's got a. Oh, I would hate to misspeak, but I think he's got like a spinal issue or something. I don't know. Has he been an influence? Yes, big time. Um, I remember specifically right when I got my license, like when I was 16 years old in Chicago, I used to put on Motley Crue and just fucking race my car around the back streets. And it was just Motley Crue. I, uh, my dad kind of lives out, in the, I wouldn't say the country, but like to get to where he lives on the lake, there's uh, a lot of back roads. And so there's 45 minutes of just like, no cars, no cops, back road. And I used to just hit fucking Motley Crue and just speed down those roads. And I had a slow-ass car, man. I didn't have anything nice or fancy, but it didn't fucking matter. I was just listening to Motley Crue with the stereo all the way up and just cruising summer nights. You know, that was just something that's really fucking memorable to me. So Mick Mars is a huge influence, and uh, I wish him well. Props to John Five for getting the job in Motley Crue. That's just incredible. John Five is someone I've toured with and is one of my biggest live inspirations. The way that he commands a crowd, he's not just a guitar player. He he works the crowd like a singer does. And I'm not saying I do, but it's something I attempt to do because of the way that I've seen him perform. So I don't think they could have found a better fit than uh, than John Five to replace Mick Mars. Next question, working on a solo album? Yes, I talked about that. All right, next question is from Wande Young Ibanez Jr. They want to know, when did I first play guitar? Who was my teacher that made me fucking awesome and great guitarist? Well, thank you for the kind words. I first started playing at 10 years old, officially taking lessons. There was an acoustic guitar growing up. It was all around the house. I didn't know what I was doing, so my whole life that was around the house, I was jamming on it, but I wouldn't count it really till I was 10 years old. Um, and I think his name was Don. I was 10 years old to 15 years old. I took five years of guitar lessons. It was like sheet music. Um, 
which at the end of that process, like tabs came out or they came out during that process or who knows they were out and I didn't know about them. I don't know. But I just remember thinking one day like, damn, I learned all this sheet music and there's not really a huge point because it took me so long to learn this and tabs take you 10 seconds to read. No matter how much experience you have, you you can teach someone to read tablature in, in five minutes. So yeah, but he was a great dude. And I had a three quarter size guitar as a Gibson flying V it was an Epiphone, but it didn't matter to me. It was three quarter size. And I played that fucking guitar till my teacher Don said to my parents, like, you got to get some something bigger because I would have played that thing forever. But uh, yeah, that was that good. Good times. My dad, by the way, like I said uh, about my car growing up, we didn't have a lot of money and shit. And so um, there's one story where my dad like was willing to lose his place where he was living to keep me in guitar lessons. Um, so just had a lot of support from family throughout my life and uh, helped me get to kind of stay in lessons and stay living my dream. That was one thing that was very important to my dad. It was like, don't let anybody tell you what you can do with your life. You do whatever you want to do. Nobody can stop you except for the man in the mirror. Um, and if you do anything, do what you love. So yeah, kept me in those guitar lessons. Next question. What experience has impacted your life? That's from E S T A C E G A R. Um, well, I would say the last year that I've already kind of mentioned changed my life for sure. Um, but I would just say this career that I've been doing, you know, you go through school and you learn kind of the same things everybody else. That's cool. Um, some things valuable, some things not. You know, there's things I wish you were taught in school that you're definitely not taught. Taxes and shit like that. Who knows? Maybe they teach you that now. They didn't teach me that. Um, touring the world has, has been an experience that taught me a lot. Meeting people um, of all different backgrounds from all over the world who like and dislike different things who conduct themselves different ways um, and who just look at things differently. Every country you go to, it's like everybody just seems to approach life differently. And they may be obvious, but it's really wild when you go from one spot to another and you really see the extent of that. Um, there'll be play. I remember, I think it's like Germany or something. One of the first things I learned was I got off stage and this guy was coming up to me. He was complimenting me, but he goes, first song not so good second song was so good and I'm like fuck that was like I feel like you don't really in my head I'm thinking like that's a weird way to approach something like just you started with something negative and ended positive but like I guess so what I mean I wasn't necessarily trying to compliment me as much as like um, I, I liked the honesty of it whereas I feel like some people will sugarcoat in other countries or those or even you got like the states where it's like people talk shit about you online and then they meet me face to face like, you're so fucking awesome. And it's like, I'm, I saw your comment like a week ago that I'm a shithead or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't know. I think people, learning people, and especially as the world heads down this road where uh, everyone has just, you know, divided as far as worldviews and politics and things like that. I feel like being blessed with able to travel and being able to travel the world and meet people and and see how things work in other places just kind of open my eyes to uh, just people in general and, and places. Next question is from the essence identity. 
How did you become sponsored by Kiesel Guitars? They approached you when? So yes, they did approach me. Rod Sudani, who plays bass in volumes, we had took them out on tour. And he was playing Kiesel at the time. And I believe Jeff Kiesel asked Rod for my information, if I'm not mistaken. So anyways, I got a call from Jeff Kiesel one day. And um, he basically said, interested in getting you on the team. They were Carvin at the time, Carvin Guitars. He goes, but we're going to switch to Kiesel. And uh, we want you to come to the team. And you could, we could get you, you know, signature model. And that was like the next step I wanted to take is, is getting a signature model. Uh, it's a dream of mine since being a child. Uh, starting guitar, it's a dream of every guitar player is to have a signature model. So that's great and all, but I needed to play the guitars. So he sent me, uh, I want to say four guitars, if I remember correctly, um, of completely different styles. And one of them, I just fell in love with. Um, and further, furthermore, the, the, there was a bridge pickup in that guitar. Uh, I think it was a DC model. There was a bridge in that, bridge pickup in that guitar, and I was like, I don't know what this is, but it sounds so incredible. I wrote a song on it like that day that I got that guitar. That pickup sounded so spanky and uh, percussive and like, I could hear every fucking detail of that pickup. And I was also talking to pickup companies about pickup deals, by the way. So this wasn't just out of the blue. Like, I'm I'm looking for deals elsewhere for pickups to put in this guitar. And then they send me this guitar and the, this incredible pickup in it, which later, when I created the Illusionist pickup with Kiesel Guitars, the bridge pickup that's mine, we modeled it off that pickup. So that's a side note. But yeah, I fell in love with that DC guitar, that pickup. I have that guitar in storage to this day. Unfortunately, my studio, I have like 10 in here, but I can't have like 50 guitars around here. So that's in, in uh, storage because we have the illusionist that's doing the job based off that pickup. But the rest is history. They, they, they say that, uh, you know, join the family. And it's one thing that I want to say is very real. They, uh, that is family. Jeff Kiesel is at my wedding. Um, I've been to his house, you know, stayed over, hung out with his family. I know, I know his whole entire family very closely. He knows mine very closely. Um, even when I was in the hospital recently, Jeff Kiesel was one of the guys that was on the phone with my family like daily. So that is family. And uh, some of the best guitars on planet Earth. I think Jeff Kiesel is one of the most forward thinking um, creators as far as instruments go. It was like, uh, and it doesn't matter. I'm not trying to call people out. It is just not my energy. But like, I've seen directly how much influence that he's had on other guitar companies as well. Like, he'll do this, and all of a sudden, shortly later, you see another guitar company kind of doing that same thing. And that's not even necessarily the worst thing ever. Everyone, you know, the rising tide kind of situation. Like, we can all grow together and, and stuff like that. But my point is, like, I feel blessed to be with one of the if not the greatest guitar, you know, maker on planet earth and, uh, to be able to call my best friend. And, uh, that's the story about that. Next question, Jesse Cuckoo. What's up? Does music heal? 
Yeah, it definitely does. I think music heals. I think comedy heals. I think um, fitness heals. Uh, these are all things I've had to bank on with the year that I've had. And um, yeah, getting out of the hospital once I was um, able to get back full force in the studio, I finished up my, my new record, my third solo record, Guitar Souls, really quickly. I was just like inspired and I felt something from everything that's been going on and I made that record and I feel mentally better and um and I've no doubt it's because of the music um that that I, what it was able to do, you know, for me. Next question. What's your favorite shit to get at the pub? Well, uh you know, unfortunately I can't drink anymore. And I shouldn't say unfortunately. I feel like a million dollars not drinking anymore. But um, what's your favorite shit to get at the pub? Previously, it had been Irish whiskey um, or tequila. Now, if I'm out and about, I've been to the bar a few times um, or concerts, I would say mostly. Um, and when I'm at the bar now that I'm uh, sober, I get uh, Diet Coke. Um, sometimes I'll put a little grenadine in it. You know what I mean? So that's what I get now. And uh, where was the last pub? I was, I was at an Irish bar the other day. Got fish and chips and a Diet Coke. It's pretty entertaining, I know. All right, next question. What is your guitar practice routine like? So for me, practicing guitar now is uh, songwriting. I would say upstairs here in my studio, it's just each day I try to sit down, have a coffee, um, and see what happens. And that could be an hour. That could be till five in the afternoon. could be all day. Um, so that's it. So other than that, downstairs where, like, the TV is, I will um, I'll have a guitar with me next to me. And sometimes then it's like if music's on YouTube, I'll just jam along, kind of improvise to whatever's on the TV. Um just like soloing over like whatever is playing. So that's the extent of it. Um, I've got some actually right next to me. You can't see it, but um, got a couple. This is all my amps and pedals. This is the stu my studio right now that we're in. So all my music shit's in here. So I got a 5150 here. I got the 5150 EL34 here. I've been collecting pedals. Maybe I'll do a video on all that. Um, and so... And the third part of my practicing would just be that. It's kind of just messing around with gear. And when you get something you like and it sounds good, you all of a sudden you just play guitar for two hours and you know, you're just having the time of your life. So that's it. Next question by Bang Bang Skirt Skirt. What methods do you use to keep your mind from seeing your music as a mundane work task? How do you separate the work and play aspect of music? It's funny, uh, I'm a big reader. Some of you may know that. I think I used to like review books on here or music. This podcast has been going for a while, even only 19 episodes in. But I've mentioned books a bunch of times. But one of the books I read said, you don't want to make your favorite thing in life your job because it can spoil it for you. You want to make your second favorite thing to do your job. Well, I didn't do that. I made my first favorite thing my job, my career. Um, and I'll be honest, I haven't separated them. And so there's been years of time in the career where 
I would write music always. That's my passion. But as far as the guitar goes, is like I wouldn't play it outside of writing because I've I've had moments where I like had a weird relationship with the guitar, and I was like, sometimes people put so much pressure on it, like um, they want you to do something a certain way. They want me to fucking go crazy fast on my guitar all the time. Whereas like nowadays, I'm listening to like blues music more than anything else. And so, like, what I feel the most is, like, feeling and, like, putting your heart and soul into notes or write correct vibrato or, like, the perfect bend, some shit like that. So, for example, when I would maybe do something like that, maybe let's say this solo song, I wasn't going a million miles an hour and there was a complaint. Like, I would have this weird relationship with the guitar because it's be like, that's not what I want to do, but it's, like, what I'm supposed to do. You know, so I've had periods where I didn't separate them and work got the best of me and I just didn't want to play. Um, and then there's periods like right now where I'm like super inspired and all the shit just went down in my life. And I'm just like holding on to that guitar as like my rock right now. And so I would say I'm not the best person to to tell you how to separate it because I haven't personally. And I've gone through periods where I've it's been I've regretted that. But yeah, good question couple questions about health stuff what's the dog's name that's sniper and he is staring at me do you believe the government has legit best interest in others humanity (laughs) what a question i um you know i used to stress out about government shit and then i realized like man you're just never gonna know i feel like uh one thing i do believe about government politicians is they have their own best interests first. A lot of them. Bear with me here. I I don't know every politician and which ones are great, which ones aren't. You're asking a fucking rock and roll guitar player about this. I believe above all, for the most part, they have their own best interests first. That doesn't mean I think that they don't have our best interests. I just believe that they have their own interests first, whether that comes to money or power, or all that shit. Now, does that mean every single one? No. So, um, yeah, I hope that helps your answers your question. What's your favorite pastime that keeps you from losing it in a world? That's from jacked.nick. Uh, hiking. Lately, my car. I've been working on my car. Like today, I swapped out a chrome fuel door on my Iva Challenger. And I swapped out the chrome fuel door for a black one. And it was just fucking like peaceful for me. I did it right when the sun was coming up. Simple job probably took 20 minutes. But driving that car, working on that car, my Harley, those are passions of mine. Um, Music, hiking, um, you know, some reading. Um, my dog, um, those are all things, gear, those are all things that uh, keep me sane in a world like this one. Next question from Devin Ray 25 What's your favorite Lord of the Rings character? Shit. I don't know. Gandalf? He's pretty sweet. Another question about the new solo album. I talked about that. Health question. 
What artist inspired you the most when you first started playing guitar? I'll, I'll, I'll let this be the last one. There's a ton of health questions in a row right here. Um, what artists inspired me when I first started playing guitar? Actually, and the next question is top three guitar heroes, so we'll close on that. Um, when I was young, it was Jimi Hendrix. I remember I used to play the, the national anthem live at bars when I was like 16, 15. They would let me in the back door of these bars to play and perform, and then I would have to leave out the back door. But I would play like the national anthem because or Star, uh, Star Spangled Banner, like uh, – because Jimi Hendrix did it. Um, Stevie Ray Vaughan was a fucking huge one. I was just thinking about this. I don't know if it was a VHS or like some sort of TV channel I had when I was younger. But there was a Stevie Ray Vaughan like hour and a half concert that was on my TV once. And I remember sitting on the floor for some reason in my room. And the TV was against the wall. And I just watched in like this far from the screen. Just watched Stevie Ray Vaughan. For the whole concert, it was just like there is. I've never heard anything like this. This is tone was unbelievable. The, the tone in his hands was unbelievable. His gear was tone was unbelievable. His passion was unbelievable. I just felt like that guitar was an extension of him, which leads me to potentially my favorite guitar player of all time, which is Guthrie Govan. Um, it is still a dream of mine to maybe do one song where maybe on my solo stuff where I can get him to solo on that. So if you got a way for me to get in touch with him, help me out. But it is a dream of mine. I believe that man is the best of the best. Um, because, and you have like your Tosins, who I've been so blessed to play with, like pushing the mold as far as technique goes. So you, that, that's one aspect of it. But Guthrie, to me, who Tosin showed me Guthrie, by the way, which is also very interesting and awesome. Guthrie, to me, does melody so beautifully, which is very important to me in Born with Cyrus and if you've heard my solo stuff. Melody, to me, a good melody can change the world. It brings people together. Um, Guthrie has beautiful melodies, but he also has perfect playing. Because you, you have those guys that are like so fast, and crazy about techniques, but like their songwriting's kind of eh, and their melodies are kind of eh. Where Guthrie Govan is just like every aspect he has mastered technique, tone in his hands, tone in his gear, songwriting, melody, structure, creativity, um, just unbelievable. So, those are some of my favorites. And I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, if I missed your question, I'm sorry. You can send for next week. Let's close on some tour dates. December 4th, I'm with Born of Osiris playing Hell in Heaven Metal Fest in Mexico with Scorpions, Pantera. How cool is that? Meshuga, Slipknot, Judas Priest, Behemoth, Trivium, Kiss, Megadeth, Merciful Fate, and more. You can get tickets to that at hellandheavenfest.com. Skip forward a little bit, July 6th through 8th. I'm not sure which of those days we're playing, but one of Osiris will be in the Czech Republic, and we're performing with The Ghost Inside, Attila, Polar, Kublai Khan, and more. And you can get tickets to that at www.fajtfest. I'm sorry, but it's F-A-J-T-F-E-S-T dot com. Thank you guys for being here for another podcast. Um, as always, I'll try to be good at continuing to do these uh frequently but i haven't been good at it before so i can't promise i will be now but the goal is always that 